Heavenly Features is an 18 Maiden Lane production. Hey, Kim here, uh, just at the top uh, with a little content warning for this episode. Uh, so we do discuss themes of child exploitation, sexual assault and substance abuse throughout. Hello and welcome to Heavenly Features, the weekly podcast where your hosts Sophie and Kim. Hey, how's it going? Get together to talk about films. Each week we take it in turns to recommend a movie and this week it is Kim's turn. So Kim, what have you chosen? Uh, so this week I chose uh, the 2010 film The Runaways, written and directed by Floria Sigismondi, uh, based on the book Neon Angel, the Sherry Curie story by Sherry Curie. Uh, the Runaway Runaways stars Kristen Stewart as Joan Jett, Dakota Fanning as Sherry Curie, and Michael Shannon as Kim Fowley. The Runaways is a biopic about the rock band The Runaways, which was uh, around from 1975 to 1979. Uh, they are known for Cherry Bomb and the cover of Rock and Roll, among others. Uh, they consisted of band members Lita Ford, Sandy West, Jackie Fox, Jonja and Sherry Curie. The film follows the forming of the band as they become successful and get signed and throughout their chaotic drug fueled career. Now I know this was your first time seeing this film Soph so what were your thoughts on it? Yeah I really enjoyed it um, as you said I hadn't seen it before and to be honest although I had a period in my teen years in particular where I was like really into Joan Jett I didn't know a huge amount about her history or about the runaways at all i knew the song cherry bomb but i didn't <laughs> yeah but i didn't know anything about how it started or really anything about like the the history of the band so um this was really um a good opportunity to kind of see something that i obviously hadn't seen before but also learn a little bit i mean i don't know how accurate i think it's largely accurate this film but i think mm -hmm. there might have been some things that were maybe shortened you know time periods maybe that were shortened for brevity but uh it was really interesting to kind of see how it developed and how i found it interesting how they were treated um it was i was quite surprised by uh, the treatment of uh, the band in, in many instances. So, yeah, I think it's a, a, a really interesting, I keep saying interesting, uh, entertaining, <laughs> entertaining film that kind of gives you that um, kind of rock profile uh, of, of a really important band, um, particularly for female guitarists and like instrumentalists and all, all that. Um, I think it was really uh, a significant band who gave so much to that style of music. Um, yeah. And Joan Jett herself became particularly iconic by like the 80s. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah. It was, a, it was a good watch. Thank you for recommending it. Yeah, no worries. I mean, I, I was the same, like, cause as I said to you, I, I've watched this once before, um, but years ago, like when it first came out. So it was really good to revisit and realize that the majority of the stuff I know about the Runaways and to be honest, Joan Jett is from this. Like, yeah. other than also being a fan of the music and, like, had went through a definite Joan Jett phase like yourself when I was a teenager, I realised that the majority of the, quote, facts I know about it, about, like, the band, is from this. Uh, yeah. And I'd definitely forgotten a lot about it about the film so yeah i was glad to revisit it because this had been on my watch list for literally years and i procrastinate so much so obviously i hadn't got around to it yet um but one of the main reasons was because uh seeing the image of christian stewart as joan jett uh was really striking uh i couldn't i can't think of another actress who could have played this role 
um, because it seems such a perfect fit. And what was interesting is obviously when this was was first released, this is perhaps one of the first films that many people might have seen as kind of testing her acting ability because a lot yeah. of people kind of downplayed her acting ability because of the Twilight films, um, which I actually think she's very good in. I think that the character that she has to play is very subdued mm. as a as a personality, and then that means that it's very hard to to play that. And you know, lots of people might be critical and think that you just can't act, or that it's a, a, but it's actually a very specific thing that you're doing and I think since then she has proven her acting chops um, and this was obviously one of the first films that she must have done after Twilight um, or around the time that Twilight was wrapping up I'm not 100% sure on the dates there but this is one where she was obviously clearly dedicated to establishing herself as an actress not just the an actress from you know a popular teen franchise yeah i mean obviously she previous to twilight she'd done like panic room so i think it's mm. like even a step back to like serious filmmaking oh, yeah. and i don't th- i mean i'm not saying twilight isn't serious filmmaking like they clearly did incredibly well this epic franchise and yeah. like the cast were fantastic like christian stewart's oh. a great actress like and also like i really missed a trick there at the beginning because I, I said that the first time that i do a christian stewart film after the oscars i would introduce her as academy award nominee and i forgot so <laughs> but well. yeah academy award fucking nominee christian stewart was amazing in this film well because one of the first times i remember watching christian stewart in a film was for the film Speak. Yeah. Uh, which is a really dramatic role because I, I was obsessed with the book when I was a teenager. I don't know what that says about me. Um, it's quite a dark story about, <laughs> you know, a teenager um, who has been sexually assaulted. So it's like, and, and how they deal with that trauma. Uh, but she was amazing in that film um, as a young teenager. So even though uh, I, I, I quite enjoyed the Twilight films, but I wouldn't say I loved it. I think that's probably because I was a little, it kind of skipped me by the, the Twilight fanaticism. Um, but I enjoyed them. They're fine. Some of them are a bit strange, but I think that's uh, nothing to do with the actors. I think that's more to Agreed. do with Stephanie Meyer. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, this this was a, a really great opportunity to see her, you know, again, showing those acting chops. And uh, also, is there anyone better suited for rocking that hairstyle because I think she could totally bring that back. Uh, I've apart from Joan Jett, I genuinely think that Kristen Stewart is one of the few people that can rock that hairstyle. Yeah, it's kind of like a what Shane was trying to do in like some <laughs> of the other like yeah, uh, but more full and mullety and feathered. Yes, hence the trying. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. I yeah. I agree. It's definitely more mullety and and feathered and. Uh, it it looks great on yeah. both Joan and Kristen. Like I was, yeah. I, I side by side, they look remarkably similar. And then the fact that uh, Kristen Stewart is also capable of uh, singing in a similar way to her, I was surprised at how much of the music in this film was Kristen Stewart. Yeah, say and Dakota Fanning singing, and yeah. how they were both able to embody those, uh, you know, singers so specifically like it sounded yeah. so close to them i was really really impressed yeah it's very impressive for sure it's the bad nights, the teenage blues. Get down, ladies, you got the 
I mean, this. I mean, you can't fault the soundtrack through this film either. Like, oh, it's amazing. Even when oh. it's not Joan Jett or um, yeah. Runaway songs, it it's just it's. Fantastic. There's a lot of like David Bowie, which obviously I adore. Like, uh, it's yeah. it's just fantastic. Yeah, and obviously you've got the uh, Dakota Fanning lip sync to david bowie where she dresses up oh it just looks incredible well we open the the film with that we see um dakota fanning as uh sherry or sheree sherry right uh well her sister is called marie so i think it's sheree and marie right sheree curry there we go um (laughs) i think though in the introduction i probably said it like six different ways like that's because the double name is like oh god yeah so um we see that she so she has a twin sister and we see like the the difference in how they're approaching um becoming you know a young individual a young person um and uh sheree decides that she's gonna cut up all her hair and she's going to do this uh, performance um, <laughs> of uh, you know, and do an Aladdin Zane makeup look uh, and then kind of wear these tight spandex trousers and lunge around the stage lip singing. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was, it was epic. I, even but, with the hecklers, like it didn't like put her off doing like, I just thought that was ballsy well, as fuck and incredible. Yeah, and it shows like why she would be great as the lead singer of a punk band or of a yeah. rock and roll band because she can get up there and do her shit and not give a shit about the people yeah. in the audience. And if there's anyone who's, you know, got a gripe with her about well, her performance, she can just get up there and carry on. And that's yeah. a certain amount of kind of self-assurance and confidence that I know I certainly don't have. No! Um, no! So it's a really good insight into, you know why she was the perfect fit for joining the runaways it wasn't just that she was this uh, perhaps more glamorous young woman but also yeah. that she has these kind of balls of steel and that she can kind of get up there and do what she wants and enjoy herself yeah. um so uh, it was a really good insight into who she was as a character as a person um and then that's kind of shown alongside uh, Joan Jett who is this kind of person who's struggling to establish herself as a, a musician to be taken seriously um she goes to get like guitar lessons and stuff and she's not allowed to even play an electric guitar because she's a woman yes well women don't play electric guitars according to the uh, guitar teacher i know <sighs> that's fuck off seriously that man seriously seriously i know uh, I mean, I would play the guitar if I could, except I've got really stumpy fingers, so it's just, I couldn't do it. Um, <laughs> but I would love to learn to play the guitar. I think it would be amazing. If Elton um, John can play the piano, surely you can play the guitar. I don't mean talent-wise, just to clarify. I was going to say. <laughs> I get my hooves meant... out and just stamp along the <laughs> piano keys. I've got normal-sized palm and short fingers. It's It's a strange combination. But also... This was a shocking moment because at her guitar lesson, she sings, uh, she's expected to sing Old Smokey, um, which is not what I know that song as. I know that song as On Top of Spaghetti. Yes. All covered in cheese. (laughs) I lost my poor meatball when somebody sneezed. But maybe, you know, in America, it's got a different name, different lyrics. I don't know, but it shocked me. It was so so strange. Yeah, me too. It shocked me. I'd obviously blanked that bit definitely from my mind because it's still (laughs) on top of spaghetti to me. Well, exactly. Yeah, we've got to, you know, blank that trauma out of our memories. Exactly. You know, years later, it'll come out in therapy, but right now we can cope with the world. Bury it down, put it in that box. (laughs) 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. Also, you know, I think that is definitely the most triggering part of this film. There's nothing yeah. that's problematic at all. Mm, no, no, not at all. So, Joan Jett, she is, you know, fashioning herself in a certain way. She's buying all this leather jacket. She's already got the, the full-on black mullet. She's changed her name. She's kind of practicing the guitar. And she goes um, kind of hanging around uh, these clubs and stuff, these rock clubs, to kind of, you know, meet other people like her. But also she ends up meeting Kim Fowley. Who's like big time producer. Yeah. And this is where she kind of, again, she shows that she has the ball. She has the confidence to go and say, I want to start an all-girl rock band. Yeah, because he, he even is like, oh, you're just like going to come up to me and tell me like you're the, the, like in a band and you're the best thing and I'm the luckiest fucker alive yeah. to have found you. And then she pitches the all-girl rock band and he was like, maybe I am the luckiest fucker. <laughs> like... yeah. And he introduces her to Sandy West. And I, I may be wrong here, but I think I... I read that it was kind of the other way around that Sandy West was introduced to Joan Jett. There's, there's been so many different people saying different things. Like even Kim Fowley has said that he came up with the whole idea and then that yeah. they had ideas as well. Like, which is very much downplays it being anyone else. So it's, it's very hard yeah, to tell. And it's, obviously it's complicated. this film is based on a book by one member of the band it's produced by another member of the band yeah. like other members so... of bands don't even want their life story being told they didn't give yeah. the rights to it hence why uh one of the band mates in the film is called robin rather than uh the actual person yes yeah <laughs> exactly it's uh yeah it's it's obviously there's obviously a lot going on there yeah um yeah but with regards to joan's style i like the bit where she was in the store mm. and she's looking around and the per, the woman in the store selling uh says like looks at her and is go and was complaining basically about her being in the men's section yes like you should be over there and i was like oh my god that feels so like real like anytime you're in one section you'll be called out and put in a different and you're like oh jesus fucking christ just let me shop but the balls of her going up and just being like i want what he's wearing well the 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 thing that i always find bizarre is like does it matter if you're buying clothes that are quote unquote um, appropriate for your gender. Uh, <laughs> yeah, does that exactly. matter? Because at the end of the day, you want to make money as a store. Just let someone go in and buy whatever the heck they want. Does I it? Know. Why do we have to police what people can and can't wear? Because it's bullshit. <laughs> it's bullshit. First of all, you have people who are expressing their gender in different ways, um, and sometimes it will uh, conflict or be you know different to what they're biological sexes or how they were you know the sex they were born with the gender they were born with um so you don't want to add any more pressure to people that are probably already trying to work themselves out or are well established but have had enough of other people commenting on it um but also you it's it like there's a lot of people who you know cisgender people who just like wearing specific clothes whether or not that supposedly goes along with whether it's appropriate for a female or appropriate for a man and it's just like you know what they're clothes they are they are bits of fabric that goes on your body let's not make barriers to this let's just say you know what just go in there buy whatever you want and rock it sometimes certain clothes will be tailored for different body types and different anatomy 
But generally, anyone should be able to just go in there and buy it. Anyone should be able to wear anything. It's just, it's such bullshit that people try and police what other people wear. And it's such bullshit, and I'm going to say this because I think everybody needs to hear it. It's such bullshit that women don't get as many pockets as men do. Uh, yes, I, as someone who wears <laughs> uh, quote unquote men's clothes, uh, yes. I definitely have much better pockets. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely i remember my ex like she'd always take a handbag so i'd put all my stuff in her handbag or if she didn't take a handbag everything would be in my pockets mm. like because she was she had none yeah yeah like it's such bullshit um well i did want to say though just going back slightly uh with regards to uh sheree curie at one point she gets she gets her period for the first time yes and what, at, the beginning her, of the film? at the beginning of the film and she jumps in to the car with her sister and her sister's i assume guy her sister's seeing yeah her sister tells him that uh, she started her period and he's like so excited that she's a woman now and then which because the sister as well hasn't started her period um because she even says like oh everything happens to you first and then the guy um mm. sherry curie goes oh well you know that my sister's like marie's not wearing any underwear uh and he like was so excited grabbed her legs and then turned around and said oh, i hope that runs in the family and tries to like flirt with the other sister as well at this point they're 15 i know and this man is also clearly yes. a lot older um, I would say yes. probably in his 20s. Um, so it is wildly inappropriate that uh, he is, uh, first of all, got two random teenage girls in his car. Second yeah. of all, <laughs> that he is touching them inappropriately and saying suggestive yep. sexual things to them. Completely inappropriate. And this is a kind of a running theme because unfortunately, um, Cherie comes into contact with a lot of very yeah. toxic people. And a lot of the band members come into contact with a lot of toxic men And they're men all in children at this point. They're all children. Um, they're all 15, 16, 17 yeah. years old um, around the time that this is happening. And they are basically being abused yeah. by adult men. And this was the thing that I was very surprised Same. about because obviously they're young, so they're, they're very vulnerable to this and when you're young particularly you just you want so much like attention um whether you want to act on any of that is is a separate thing but receiving kind of flattering attention from somebody that you're attracted to or somebody that thinks that you're attractive is definitely a really big thing when you're young so they are primed to be susceptible to this predatory yeah. behavior and they put up with it and it's just i thought it was so shocking because of course i always think of them being kind of you know rock and roll punky stand up for themselves and they do stand up for themselves but the culture is so insipid that they just can't escape no. and there's so much toxic masculinity yeah they they expect to be treated that way and some of it is because these uh you know some of the individuals in the band um have come from complicated backgrounds where they are you know used to being um perhaps not treated particularly well i mean even sheree we see that she's got a difficult background because her father has issues with alcohol and isn't present um, a lot. And then her mum just decides to choose a new love interest over them and move to yeah. another country. And so there's, you know, there's a lot of emotional baggage that goes along with that and how you might look for the love and attention you might want from your parents 
through other people and it means that you're more likely to be uh, susceptible to being mistreated particularly as a young person um it's it's just really shocking like even kim fowley who, who is a very controversial kind of person in general but he literally just overly sexualizes these yes. teenaged girls um and there's there's been lots of things uh, it's not really talked about too much in the film but there's been things uh, allegations that he was uh sexually inappropriate with some of them some of which have been accused of being actual yeah. um, assaults um, and then just verbally and emotionally abusive throughout the entire time that they work with him um, and it's not to say that he didn't help them get where they got of course he did to a certain extent but he the, the way the, what they have to put up with to be able to get anywhere as a female band is that they have to put up with this abusive older person who just shouts at them and yeah. belittles them? Is it's shocking, disgusting? Quite it's... frankly, I had no I had no idea that this was like the background on what they had to no put and up like with. It, and it's there's just so much of it. It's not even like one person. There's like everyone they meet seems to be like that. Like and just like a couple yeah. of the quotes that are in this film that just kind of show the the toxicity that was there like uh, when um kim first meets um sheree she he asks her so he like meets her in a in a club and then he asks yeah. her uh how old she is and she tells him that she's 15 and he goes 15 jail fucking bait jackpot yeah the amount of different people that say jail bait in this and quite frankly if you are a person that says jail bait there is something uh, wrong with you yeah. Uh, you are clearly yes. a predator because you are going after somebody who is immature for that kind of attention. Yeah, behavior. well, if it's if it's jailbait, that's illegal. And it's illegal. Like, it's rape. Like it's <laughs> oh, it's awful. Another thing he said, he goes, "Men don't want to see women anywhere except in their kitchen or on their knees." Uh, it's another quote from yeah. the film. Like, I, I'm sorry. That's like, awful. you shouldn't say that to anyone. Full stop. But fifteen-year-old children. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, this is a real person, so I'm being careful about what I kind of say a little bit, because, of course, this is one interpretation and one description of what it was like. But I certainly got the impression that um, the way that he, for example, forced Cherie to sing these overtly sexual lyrics at her audition... Um, and to become comfortable with saying these overtly sexual things. To me, that seemed yeah. like grooming. And I could be wrong, but it that was the impression I got. Oh, yeah, you're, you're not you're not necessarily saying any of this from the, the genuine Kim Fowley, but this film alleges that that is what Kim Fowley was like. So in this film alone, which is obviously all we know about yeah. it, he, he is definitely grooming her. But this uh, we're talking purely character here like in the film <laughs> yes yes allegedly <laughs> this is somebody's interpretation but that's certainly the Absolutely. way it came across and when you you see the way that sheree um copes with her change in lifestyle and you know drugs and stuff get involved as well um she has sexual experiences at an age that is inappropriate to do so often with older men um it's and then you see what happens to her at the end and how she's literally kind of chewed up and spit out and yeah. left. 
and it's, it's, it's absolutely awful and obviously now you don't see this in the film this is like the real life uh shuri curie but after str- apparently from what i've read apparently after struggling with drugs for a while um she like got clean and after a few different career changes including uh doing some mm. work in film uh she mentors uh teens with drug and alcohol issues so wow yeah I That's was amazing. like, well, she f- fucking turned her life around and what a badass. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. So at brilliant. least there's a nice little happy yeah. ending there. And obviously we all know Joan <laughs> Jett, so there's a nice little fucking happy ending there too. Um, yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, what I did like about this film, and obviously um, they had to be very careful because Dakota Fanning was minor and uh, Christian Stewart was possibly only I think just she, an adult, I think she like was 19 18 yeah. 19 yeah something like that so they had to be really careful about obviously how they filmed these these things um to make sure that it wasn't breaking any laws uh but they don't um completely well they they don't get rid of any of the homoerotic or lesbian elements of the relationships of some of the the band members um you know, how far some of those things went, both in real life, uh, you know, like, between those characters and stuff, like, we don't know. But there's definitely closeness between some of the band members that we we see. And, and the fact that this is in a somewhat mainstream film um, and they chose to include that representation. With also a queer actress. I mean, she wasn't queer at the time. I mean, she, she was queer <laughs> and everyone knew she I was know, queer. I know, she wasn't out at the time. Apart from mainstream. <laughs> no, she's with What's-His-Face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I was glad that they didn't skirt away from that because obviously Joan Jett in particular has had a lot of speculation around her throughout her career. Um, and so the fact that you know, she obviously was producing this, so she was happy as well to say that these moments happened. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like anyone was outing any experiences that were had by, so, you know, many of the band members who allow their likeness and their story to be included in this film um, were involved in the film in some capacity. And so I can only assume that there was a level of consent there, so I'm happy about that for these parts of their lives to be told um so nobody was outing anybody but i was just um i was was glad to see that those things were not shied away from yeah it's it makes it also feel more real because yeah like from everything you hear about joan jett that like there's always been a lot of queerness around her um so you're like yeah of course it feels more real when that's actually in there and also for 2010 for a relatively mainstream movie like yeah great fucking absolutely should be in there well i i certainly know that as a teenager joan jett was one of the first masculine presenting maybe not necessarily butch but had more masculine energy more tomboy energy uh but sexy and kind of slightly and sometimes a little androgynous all all these things it was one of the first um kind of encounters i came across as a young person so and and she writes slapping music as well so it was all good (laughs) but it was uh yeah it was i think it was she was she was a really important person i think for a lot of people in terms of like the way that she presents herself 
And so I, I like that, you know, they didn't shy away from any of that. And so I, I just really appreciated seeing that representation for what it was. Um, and I don't know, how, how do you feel? Like, who was Joan Jett one of, like, what was she to you in terms of her appearance? Oh, my God, yeah. How she presented herself. Yeah, she, I mean, I thought she was the coolest fucking thing on earth. Like, I just thought she yeah. rocked so hard like firstly i loved her music secondly like she played mm. an instrument she like wrote her own stuff like she was a badass yeah. strong empowered woman and she was like a bit androgynous and hot as fuck and like lesbian energy definite lesbian energy <laughs> and like yeah i just thought she was a complete badass i loved her i still do like i like yes she's fucking epic uh so yeah it was definitely definitely when i like growing up it was definitely part i guess part of my queer awakening even though i knew for sure i was queer at that point but it was like opening my eyes up more to different queer energy and different like ways that people can present themselves and still be successful as fuck and as comfortable as themselves and like not give a shit attitude like i just love that uh i'm still i still have definitely not mastered that don't give a shit attitude um (laughs) but I still like seeing her. I'm like, you're such a badass. Like, yeah, yeah I, I love it. Oh, definitely. I love it. And like, also with regards to the um, like queer scenes in this film, one of the bits that I loved the most was when Joan is uh, smoking a joint and um, at the roller rink and uh, Shuri is lying with her roller blades, oh, sorry, roller sk- skates up on the wall. And Joan takes a drag and like leans right over Dakota's lips and like blows the smoke mm. in. And I was like, I have so done that move as a teenager. Like that's such a thing that we used to do. Not you and me, like to clarify, but yeah. like we used to do as teenagers all the time. I was like, that's such a fucking move. And, like, and it, I was like, that's so hot as well. <laughs> like I loved that. Yeah, and, and, and obviously like the film is really good at reminding us over and over again how young they are and that they are still young teenagers. Um, and that, I think that was really important. It's very, when you have a, a story of a band and, oh, they become successful and they get to tour Japan and they get to do all these things, it's easy to forget that they are so young. I mean, imagine being that determined and that successful at such a young age that's that's crazy it's it's completely insane also i realized because obviously they this was like in the uh mid to late 70s that they were in the runaways and so obviously we weren't even born by that point so by the time we were listening to them they were fully grown fully fledged like adults so it never even crossed my mind that the music i was listening to like obviously some of it was from older like the Blackhearts obviously I listened to a lot but like I did listen to the Runaways and I was like looking at it now as an adult I'm like I'm looking to a 15 year old singing or I'm like listening like yeah fuck me that's insane it's crazy yeah and I was like this yeah. I was probably like a bit younger than that up until like that age and older uh listening to that and had no idea that they were my age at the time like yeah that's insane it's just incredible and yeah I, I agree the film does a hell of a good job of constantly reminding you that they are children and yet they're doing all of this really adult stuff throughout yeah like that fo- uh, photo session that Cherie oh when they just basically 
forced to do. She is forced to wear kind of more kind of sexy clothing and prance around in the back garden and have this adult man turn up to her house and photograph her. And she has no say in this. She has no... She is a young child. How does she say no to anything somebody yeah to anything but particularly to somebody like kim who in her mind perhaps she thinks has given me my career is my ticket to get out of my house and out of my home and make something of myself yeah Yeah. and then thinking oh maybe this will be good for the band because it will help me you know help everybody to get some publicity and oh of course he sent photographers around to everybody well else. he says that yeah of course so she will do it so he's manipulating her as well and then it's not even for um magazine articles and stuff he creates um like a photo book which these these things are more popular in japan i believe they have like a, a certain type of modeling which is taught, usually slightly more sexy modeling and they will produce these little kind of photo books that you can buy and that's right. and because they're going to japan that's basically what he he made her do without her consent really because first of all she didn't know what it was being used for i doubt she got any of the profits out of that no. um i could be wrong there but if she doesn't know that she's posing for it how is she signing the contracts yeah i don't know how does she know that that she's getting um a fair deal or that these images are being distributed in a way that she feels comfortable with and even if she was comfortable with it she's 15 yeah this should be illegal i know um and it is illegal pretty much but it's it should be you know that he should be getting in trouble for doing this sort of thing and um the bandmates don't take too kindly to it because they're like you need to focus on the music and so and they unfairly blame her in some ways uh for distracting people um from the music and then focusing on her being this kind of more sexy um front run you know front um singer you know frontman i guess yeah. be front woman um and it, it's unfair but you can see where they're coming from but it's that classic thing that happens so often in a band which is where one or two members of the band usually this lead singer and the lead guitarist or yeah songwriter or something um get all the attention and the others are somewhat sidelined or forgotten yeah and you can see how that can build resentment and it's a tale as old as time because it's happened to so many bands and it's led to the downfall or like the the breaking up of so many bands that these egos get bruised by not getting the you know rewards or the attention um, adulation that other members get and also if you're the person who uh is maybe the most popular or uh is the figurehead of the band in that way getting all the attention you are going to be the person that's probably more likely to make more money um because you get interviews and you know photographs and branding and all these different things that maybe only you get the money for and other people in the band don't. Also, if you're in that position, you're more likely for your ego to expand greatly. Uh, And if people in the band are already resenting you and then you turn into a bit of a diva uh, because you're constantly being told how great you are uh, and like having Mm. your photo taken and being told how beautiful you are and then like the people who are actually just real with you in the background who are probably a bit pissed because they're jealous yeah like there's that's gonna cause such conflict yes 
Oh, definitely. And we also see that things aren't as they seem anyway, because different band members are finding different ways to cope with the stresses of being on tour, of being away from home, of the amount of work that they're having to do, um, and the ways to kind of keep going and keep getting that energy. And so much of that falls onto substance abuse. Um, and Cherie in particular, uh, let's just say overindulges yeah. with, with some of that. Um, but Joan Jett also kind of finds herself using a lot of these substances as do many other members of the band. That's also going to lead to heightened emotions and people um, letting each other down because of their substance issues and, and the way that they behave or change. So it leads to a huge amount of tension within the group. Yeah, and you also see the the difference of the usage as you as the four years or whatever it is go through. Mm. Um, like they show it so well, I think in the film where they show the like happy fun drug use. Yes, and so like the blowing the pot into uh, your one's mouth or the bit where this is so so clearly pre nine eleven that they got onto the airplane with that much coke and then obviously had to be told to get rid of it before they land in japan so uh sheree and joan go into the airplane bathroom and snort a shit ton of coke like it was a hell of a lot like to the point where joan's like i can't do any more as sheree's like rubbing on her guns of gums and they have like they look like they're having the best time and so much fun and then later on you see it just decline and decline and decline into like full-on abuse like drug abuse and using it for completely different reasons like at one point sheree even steals her father's meds because he's sick yeah like and it's a reliance on these drugs instead of um something that maybe boosts an already great feeling yeah. is it's used to maybe mask other feelings or to <sighs> compensate for something. Um, and it's really sad to see. And it's, you know, Cherie will not be the first or the last person to deal with these issues. Um, and it's just really, really sad at how that kind of culminates in her eventually leaving the band. And I believe she was only in the band for maybe two years or something. But the band goes on to tour without her. And that's kind of skipped in the film, yes. I think. Yeah. That they go on to tour without her after she leaves for a good number of years. And then um, uh, eventually uh, they break up because Joan Jett decides to go solo. Yes. So some of that is a little different, but I guess that makes sense because the film very much focuses on Cherie and Joan, Joan yeah. as the lead characters of of the band, and we follow their journeys. And once um, Cherie leaves the band, we really then again only focus on those two, and the rest of the band really aren't around much at all. No, which I mean, I hate to say it because, like. I think I like it very much enjoyed the Runaways music. Uh, although I must say I I haven't listened to all of it because I know that they did four studio albums and one live album in their yeah. time, and I definitely have not heard all of them or haven't known it's all of them, them. as opposed to yeah. So, um, but you definitely know Joan and Cherie more than the others, or I do. I mean, I personally really mainly knew Joan. Yeah, I I knew mainly Joan. I did know um about Cherie Curie. I don't know if that was from watching this film. I think it was from before, but it's been so long now that my dates are all muddled. Um, but yeah, mainly yeah. Joan. 
like and obviously she went on to have an incredibly successful career like yes and as she fucking should because she's epic she's an icon yeah absolutely but yeah oh man she's so good i I love her (laughs) um and i'm yeah i'm so i'm so glad that i got to like see sort of her origin story with this yeah what i did find interesting actually kind of going way back to the beginning of this film again Mm. is obviously we see a lot of sheree's um family dynamic shall we say but we don't really see a huge amount of jones or any of the other band members and what might be leading them to go down uh, this route of wanting to be in a get band or escape uh, their lives or their their town that they're in we don't really get to see a huge amount of that. i assume that's because it was based on neon angel which is the show yeah, fury perhaps, story yeah. but so i would love to see like a joan jet one <laughs> um. yeah I, I would love to see uh even if it was just like ha- her parents and how she respond how they responded to her again being very young and embarking on this music career. well i know that she did say at one point in the film she was like that her dad's left and it's now her job to like take the rubbish out she said um but yeah. that was like the limited amount that was said so it would be yeah. it would be interesting to see like what it's all about like from the beginning with her because yeah this, as you said this definitely does focus more on um Shuri, which is probably because of no neon angel but yeah but also especially because um joan as we mentioned before is somebody who is not necessarily kind of following the expectations of a woman at that time in terms of how she dresses um her pursuits her interests yeah are perhaps not what you'd expect of a young woman at that time um and so i just thought it'd be interesting i perhaps she had incredibly supportive parents and they were fully okay with her dressing the way that she does and going out to clubs and doing all this sort of things but I don't know. It just I just thought it'd be interesting to see that as well. Well, she did say at one point when you know when they went up to the Hollywood sign in the film, and yes. uh, Shuri says about curfew, and she was like, "Oh, don't any of you have a curfew?" And she says there like, "Oh, my dad was the strict one." But whether that means yeah. her mum's not strict or kind of it could be read into like uh, she's absent and maybe he was strict because of some issues. Like it, you never know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. It would be. I'd I mean, love to com- know. It's completely up to Jane Jet whether she wants to share that story or not. I but don't think I she. Don't I don't think I, she needs to financially. <laughs> no, but I. I just. I. I always find it interesting to see where people come from, and what makes them tick in terms of what made them choose the path that they chose. And we don't. Uh, other than her seeing her trying to learn the to play the guitar and hanging out with one of her friends a lot. We don't see a huge amount of her and what she's doing off stage, um, really. With yeah, with other people. Yeah. Before she becomes, you know, Joan Jet. <laughs> yeah, Joan fucking Jet. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I guess skipping back to the end of uh, the story, this is kind of where it gets a little bit sad because, as you said, uh, Marie is struggling deeply with her. Uh, substance abuse issues. She, who? What did I Marie. say? Oh, Marie's doing fine. Uh, sorry, uh, Cherie is struggling, and um, yeah, she's taking her father's uh, medication. Which, first of all, like 
does she even know what it's going to do to her? I don't know. I have this thing about people taking medication. It will probably have like oxy or something like that. Like yeah. something that she's done so many times. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. That's true. And then um, she goes to try and buy liquor. And the fact that she's in this state and all this has happened to her, to her and she's not even like at the legal age where she can purchase, you know, alcohol. Yeah. That's shocking. I just, I don't know why. I just imagine that enough years have passed that she was now at least 21, but she wasn't. No, she was like, probably, if if you say, as you said, if she was only in the band for a couple of years, she would have been like 17, 18. Yeah. Like, crazy. Yeah. Um, and she ends up passing out and being taken to hospital and essentially kind of drying out, trying to cure herself uh, of, of her substance issues and redirecting her life. And thankfully, she's a, she was able to do that. Um, and she was able to kind of move on from, from this part of her life. Um, and we see this really touching scene towards the end because Joan has become frustrated. She's, she's obviously, she's left the band. She's, she's going to do her own thing. Um, and this is obviously like, jumping forward a bit yeah this is where they play with time a little yes, bit yeah uh in the film but we get to see her in what for me is possibly one of her most iconic looks which is in the 80s when she wore those kind of bright, bright blazers uh, fl- like fluorescent blazers with the jet black hair yeah. and the loads and loads and loads of eyeliner um and to me that's like the iconic image because I believe what she's wearing in the scene is very reminiscent of one of um Joan Jett's album sleeves yeah uh so it's just like it's the image ingrained in my head I know a lot of people will have the image of Joan Jett wearing like the leather jacket and stuff but to me it's this like oversized um blazer which somehow even though it's like bright pink or something she it makes very androgynous or masculine in the way that she's wearing it um, and styling it, even though she's like wearing the most makeup we've seen her wear so far, it's really odd. Like the effect that this look has, because every, if you take apart like all the components, you're like, oh yes, feminine, 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 and then all together you're like, kind of masculine. <laughs> she does. I don't know what it is. She does androgyny so well. Like, yeah, oh, she nails it. I think it's just her. Maybe it's just like this energy she exudes. I don't know. Oh yeah, she has like Joan fucking jet energy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, but she she's at this radio station and she's promoting some of her new songs and stuff. And we have this really sweet scene where Cherie who has managed to get herself in a much better place and she's got a stable job. She calls up just to kind of say hello and goodbye. And it's just like a really sweet, touching moment. Yeah, it really was really touching and such a beautiful ending to like bring some joy to everyone and obviously show show some sort of closure for them. Definitely, because they were the bandmates that I would say were, were definitely the closest, shall we say. Um, but even if it's outside of uh, that kind of queer element, uh, Joan seemed to look out for Cherie in a way that some of the other band me- members didn't seem to do quite as much. Yes. I'm not saying they didn't, but I'm just saying like Joan was particularly in Cherie's corner. Well, that's they even at one point, the other band members have a go at Joan for always protecting her. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that, you know, Cherie's had her issue, she's probably separated herself from her previous life in a way to overcome some of her substance 
issues. So it's a nice way for her to reach out and just be like, hi, I'm proud of you. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm listening. I'm following your career. Like, I'm proud of you. Yeah. And also, like, we're good, right? Yeah. We're good. And, and it's just a really lovely moment. It really was. It was really touching. I thought, what an like great end. And then obviously, yeah. at the very end, they come up with the, the flashcards, uh, like at the end of every like sort of biopic. Um, and it does show on yeah. the, like that things have gone well for, you know, some. Well, they, I think the flashcard things, like the, the title cards at the end are obviously for Joan, for, Sh- for Cherie and for, for Kim. Kim. Yes, that's correct. That's why um, I was like for someone, because it did not include the yeah, rest of the band members or anything. It, I mean, I don't know if that was a legal thing because some of, of them, as I said, were not 100% happy with the doing of the film. Um, but it would have been nice. I always like to see where everyone ends up. Yeah. So um, I think it would have been interesting, especially since I think quite a few of them didn't pursue music as a full career after the no, band. absolutely. Or it, or it didn't happen for them, I don't know. But they went on to do different careers. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, like, I'd read a bit about it, but, um, it, you know, what my memory's like, so I'm not 100% sure. All I do remember really is, obviously, I know Joan Jett, and I know that uh, Sherry Curie uh, did yeah. go on to mentor, uh, like, youth with substance abuse issues. And I was like, uh, that's beautiful. I think she's also, I think she's also, like, a tree sculptor, like, a wood sculptor, Oh yeah, you, uh, you said about a chainsaw, chainsaw, a chainsaw sculptor. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, she's in the woods. Uh, she she bought like a place in the woods that she lives in, or like in a like a farm type thing. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure. Obviously, I haven't actually been invited Sounds yet. Pretty gay to me. <laughs> and yeah, I'm joking. She's a chainsaw artist <laughs> and uh, teen, like drugs and alcohol abuse mentor. I was like, right, pretty fucking badass if you ask me. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, she seems like she's had a real time because she's also she did solo, um, musical work as well. She did filming um, like films. She appeared in at least films. one film. I can't remember. Yeah, so she's tried different things along the way. Um, so yeah, I just uh, and and Kim Fowley went on to still be controversial but i think he still had success with other oh yeah he definitely still had success but yeah there's definitely some controversy there he worked with like kiss and things yes like that, he did i think i saw kiss so... i saw kiss live once it was fucking epic did you? yeah i got i got vip tickets uh from paul stanley because he came into where i worked and he gave me two what? vip tickets to his show the next day at wembley to kiss and so we were right on the side oh of God. the stage like <gasps> it was fucking epic. It was the best. And they were How have you never how have you never told me A that you've seen Kiss, B that you've seen them from the side stage essentially, <laughs> and C that you met Paul Stanley? You know, I don't like to name drop. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. It Kim. was fucking epic. It was so good. I always wait for a good time to bring stuff up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, oh my god, it was it was fucking epic and I was like also, I did name drop slightly in the queue for the so the VIP bit you go into. We went in, and this this young this young girl. I, when I say young girl, she was like an adult. I think I was like twenty one at the time, maybe maybe twenty two, twenty three, something like that, early twenties. And she was probably like nineteen. And uh, she was going around, to, and I could see her going around to every other person in the VIP bit. And there wasn't a huge amount of us in there. And um, she was going around being like, oh, you know, who who are you here with? And they would be say someone. 
and like she like she kept like bragging about herself and she came over to me uh, and my ex and was like oh you know we're here with the band uh the the support band this is their first ever like tour that they're doing with kiss like and i was like that's epic congratulations to them i can't remember the name of them but that's like neither 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 here nor there uh, and she was like, yeah, you know, I'm like friends with the lead singer. Oh, it's just so great. Like, And who are you here with? But she said it in this really like derogatory way. And I went, oh, Paul Stanley got me tickets. And I was just like that. And she just shut up and walked <laughs> away. I was just like, that's where your name dropped. <laughs> like, <laughs> was, um, was this in your, I was trying to think, around 21, did you still have your Shane Muller? Oh, no, it was definitely slightly after that. I had my comb over. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd moved yeah. away from mullet and into comb over. It's a good look. I basically started my part at my ear. <laughs> yeah, it yes. was not a good look. But uh, yeah, and, or, and Kiss were one of my ex's favourite bands. So she was like over the fucking moon. I definitely scored a lot of brownie points. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Now I'm just waiting for Joan Jett to invite me somewhere. (laughs) Yes, come on, Joan. We reviewed your film. We loved your story. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm so glad that... Kristen? (laughs) I can imagine. Just be like, we'll be VIPs, but also you can just give us tickets anywhere. It doesn't have to be VIP. We're actually not fussy. Um, um, Yeah, I'm so glad that I I chose this film uh, this week. Oh, it was a good... Yeah. And obviously now I've spent the rest of the week listening to Joan Jett. (laughs) Oh, Oh, definitely. It's, it's been quite nice actually kind of going back and listening because it's she's one of those artists who I have such strong memories of listening to because I remember listening to it I was like maybe like 14 15 I would sit in my dad's office pretending to do my homework um and blasting out uh you know Joan Jett was one of them uh, one of the song, you know, artists that I listened to at the time. I remember just like listening to it really, really loud and playing The Sims. <laughs> oh, amazing! <laughs> what an epic Such memory. a moment in my life. Yes. But I have like, yeah, it's like Joan Jett, The Used, certain bands like that, where it's just like in my mind. I'm whenever I hear any of their songs, I'm just like, oh yeah, this is I just listen to this when I played The Sims and pretend to to do my homework yeah oh i totally have things like that even though to this day like i'll be listening if i am playing playstation and listening to an album at the same time the next time i play that game that song that was on at that specific scene will come into my head and i'm like oh definitely and i'm always because i've got no fucking memory i'm like why is that happening and it would take me so long to work out that it's because i've listened to the album last time like and my brain obviously just oh, associates it. Especially because obviously uh, we're old, so we're talking about CD players. And so you just have like the CD on and it would just go round in a loop. Yes. So it's like, I guess Tomb Raider is the best of Shania Twain. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, that's Love it. <laughs> See, for, for Tomb Raider, it's always David Bowie for me. Uh, right. Because mainly because I started playing Tomb Raider on the PC with my brother who is a huge right. David Bowie fan. Like, he, he, like, David Bowie is my brother's, like, love of his life. Like, he is right. obsessive. It's adorable. And uh, so we would always have David Bowie blaring and be playing Tomb Raider together. 
Like, that's like my favorite. And he's like 21 years older than me. So he introduced me to all these fucking cool, like, punk bands and rock bands, like, when I was really young. And I, like, I fucking loved it. And then at the same time, I'd be trying to introduce him to, like, steps. Like, <laughs> and he's just like, five, six, seven, eight. Exactly. I'm like, come on, Dean, boot scoot. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's embarrassing to be the youngest for sure. <laughs> My taste has definitely improved. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with steps. No, but I definitely uh, would lean more onto like Dead Kennedys than steps. And I think he'd approve of that. <laughs> I mean, my first uh, single that I bought was steps. <laughs> Tragedy. My first was O-Town Liquid Dream. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. What a wildly inappropriate song. Firstly, yes. And secondly, what a fucking embarrassing first single <laughs> my first album that i ever bought was green day though so at least i went up gosh i don't know what my first one was as in cd here i'm talking about not like an lp that i bought myself that's the thing because i had obviously other albums but they were bought oh that's me. what i mean this is the first one i bought myself like like i had like people bought me like boyzone and fucking whatever else was out at that time again aging ourselves here <laughs> yes uh gosh i know that i definitely bought him as one of my first albums anyway that was a little random tour down memory lane for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. I, I very much enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I really I really enjoyed watching this film. I felt like I learned something. Um, it had great music. I love the style because I love like, that kind of 70s um, fashion and stuff. Yeah. Um, Christian Stewart and Dakota Fanning were particularly amazing. Uh, it was eerily scary how Michael Shannon looks so similar to Kim Fowley. Yeah, um, he. I thought he was woo! phenomenal as Kim Fowley. I thought yes. he was so good. Michael Shannon is always amazing in everything that he does. Oh yeah, you can't fault him. Absolutely not. Like seriously, and he chooses such interesting projects. Yeah, because you'll be watching something like that's Michael Shannon. What's he doing in this? <laughs> yes, <laughs> but he's amazing. Yeah. Oh I, yeah. I I just oh, yeah. I love Michael Shannon. I think he's I think he's fantastic. But yeah, you cannot fault <laughs> this cast. Yeah, like it's it's really good, and like the the, the fact that there are people in there like um, uh, Alia Shawkat. Oh, I love her! I love her. Uh, people who nowadays I'm like looking out for films that she's in, and then back then she's barely like in there because she's kind of filling a role that technically was you know not a band member because of legal issues. Yeah. So they just kind of like she's there, but they don't really focus on her. No, at not all. at all. And it's just like. But it, but it's her. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, it's it's got an epic cast, an epic an epic soundtrack. Like I think it's really well shot. I think it's really interesting the way that they also develop the story along the way with the the shooting style. Like there's a like the later on in the film it goes, the more. It seems in some of the like closer up shots and sort of the intimate moments that it seems more drug fueled even for you, the watcher. Yeah, I think they're definitely trying to get you to understand as a viewer what their experiences of of their world around them and what's happening to them yeah. and why they are making these decisions is because of this kind of drug fueled kind abusive, of abusive toxic. <laughs> And kind of like this fishbowl view of the world yeah. of what's going around them and how little control they have, yeah. many of them, particularly Cherie, by the by the end of her time with the band. She's just... I mean, it's great because she takes control and says, I've had enough of this. 
Um, but she also is so out of control because of her substance abuse issues. Oh, absolutely. Like, and it, and you really do feel like you sort of are part of that. And I mean, shout out to the cinematographer and director there for Mm -hmm. that, because you really like the camera starts moving and the, even like actually the lighting and everything changes throughout the film and it sucks you into their drug fueled like horror that they're in basically and then at the end it goes back to being crisp and sharp and with like the pink uh like blazer and where where dakota is in the store working and she looks youthful and bright and vibrant and the lights in there are bright and all the fabric sort of white and like beautiful not beautiful fabric to be fair but it's like white and clean and like it's just like oh there's a lot more there than than perhaps first meets the eye yeah absolutely and yeah i I, so i thoroughly enjoyed the way that they sucked the audience in not just with the storytelling but with every aspect of the camera work and the the lighting and the everything i thought that was very clever no it it was definitely a good one to watch and definitely one i think i can see myself watching again in the future yeah and i don't think i'm gonna leave it a decade again till the next time i watch it (laughs) no um so next week is going to be a little bit different for the next few weeks it's going to be a little bit different because we're actually going to have a little bit of a break um, just for a few weeks, um, yeah, we'll... and we should be, we'll be back for Pride in June. So don't you worry, we will gay it up in June, no problem. That's right, yeah. We, so I, uh, this is, this is, you know, I'm going to blame Soph for the fact that she is busy, but it's definitely more my fault that we're taking a break because uh, I am actually going jet setting around. I'm going to uh, Ireland, which is like I'm half Irish, so I'm going to like hang out with all my family. Uh, and then uh, my beautiful nephew and his gorgeous girlfriend are taking me to Spain uh, for a yeah. week. So I'm very excited. Uh, so I'm going to say, oh, we're so really busy at the work. So, you know, she'll need to break. But really, it's me being like, uh, bye. Oh, it's 100% you. Oh, I know. I know it's 100% me. <laughs> it's good to have a break. So um in the meantime i will still be active on uh instagram and stuff so do come over and 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 say hello on um at heavily features pod on instagram Uh, i'll also finally because i still haven't bloody done it be putting some of the episodes up onto youtube hopefully um so we'll see how that goes and whether i uh, commit to that Um (laughs) absolutely and that is heavenly features pod on youtube correct yes i think so i will put it on uh I'll put it on Instagram once I've done Absolutely. it. Absolutely. That's and how you'll know it's there. I'll link it at the bottom of this uh, episode as well so you can click the link and subscribe to our YouTube right. channel. Bloody pressure. I haven't done it yet. But, you know, don't be surprised if there's nothing on there because as, as you've probably heard, <laughs> we procrastinate. Um, sure do, And in the sure meantime, do. if you wouldn't mind... Uh, just rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us, uh, especially yeah. at the moment. If you do subscribe, obviously you'll get notified when our first Pride episode comes out, which we're both very yeah. excited for, uh, being two massive queers. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's an important time of the year, guys. Absolutely, um, it's Gay Christmas. <laughs> exactly, it'll be fun. Um, and yeah, just tell any friends who you think might be interested in this podcast. We, you know, love to um have more and more people listen because then we can get to know so many more of you if you have any more films that you would like to recommend to us just kind of pop over to again instagram heavily features pod 
um, and leave us a comment or send us a message because um, we're kind of picking films that we really like or think are interesting to talk about. But um, I'm always up for recommendations um, and kind of going forward with some of the content that you might like to listen to. So please do get in touch and let us know. And this would be a great period uh, particularly to do that. Absolutely. Because, uh, Cause so f- we, we, we're not going to be quite as busy in terms of watching all these films. Absolutely. And also, you know, Soph will be pining for me, so I'm sure she'll be... Uh checking the email daily so if you do want to email us as well you can do that at uh, heavenlyfeaturespod at gmail.com uh, and send Soph a nice message while I'm while I'm abandoning all of you and her yes you are deserving so, um, <laughs> but I will be back and not gayer long. than ever so <laughs> that's true that's true so we will see you soon um and yes please do pre- press uh subscribe so you know when new episodes will be coming out in June beautiful so we'll see you then thank you so much bye, bye. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe. And you can follow us on Instagram at heavenlyfeaturespod. You can also email us at heavenlyfeaturespod at gmail.com. And you can also find us at 18maidenlane.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by 18 Maiden Lane Productions.